Hello, friends, and welcome back to the show. My guest today is Aaron Orendorf, an e-commerce content legend, the previous editor-in-chief at Shopify Plus, former VP of marketing at Common Thread Collective, and the current head of marketing at the Shopify SMS platform, Recart. If you're curious about what great looks like in SMS marketing today in 2023 and how an organic content flywheel can help your e-commerce store to scale, this one is for you. In this episode, Aaron and I dove deep into the intersection of content and commerce, Aaron's three-phased approach for building an organic content flywheel for any e-commerce brand to replicate, how to think about SMS marketing in 2023 and the conversations we should be having with our SMS vendors, why transparent SMS pricing is key, the five things that make Recard so special for Shopify brands, and then we finish with my favorite SMS strategy for driving tons of traffic back to your Shopify store, and that is transactional SMS. He also stresses throughout this episode why consistency in marketing matters, how to bring together things like organic brand building and performance paid advertising to win together, and how to find your native content language to enter the story that your audience is already in, whether that's on SMS marketing, email marketing, organic social, or anything in between. I thoroughly enjoy this conversation with Aaron. I think he has an incredibly refreshing view, candidly, on the SMS landscape, and his approach to building an organic content flywheel is something I think we can learn a lot from. He's also a must-follow on Twitter if you haven't already. I learn a lot from him every week, so go ahead and do that if you haven't. But finally, the Tycho Podcast is brought to the DTC community cost-free. If you'd like to support the show, it would mean a hell of a lot to me. I put a lot of time and effort into this to give you the best resources possible, so please consider leaving us a review and subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcast. And for that, I thank you. Now, let's get to this amazing conversation with Aaron Orendorf. Aaron, what's up, man? How are you? Oh, I am so delighted to finally be here in, I don't know if I call it the hot seat, the cool seat. I love the neon. I've been a big fan of you and yours for quite some time. So I'm delighted to get to jump in on this with you. Uh, the feelings mutual, man. I've um, been following you for quite some time back to your Shopify CTC days, but now to see you here at Recard and get to work together with you too. I'm- partnership side it's been it's been a blast man so i've enjoyed getting to know you a little bit uh behind the scenes but excited now to put this out in the world so um you know today we're going to talk about a lot of things uh but really starting with the intersection of content and commerce which i know you've written many theses on which i'm excited to get your take on and then move into what i think is gonna be really great which is a valuable discussion around sms and how to think about holistically the idea of retention but also some things in 2023 I think we should be talking about more broadly. So uh, before I get into any of that, though, Aaron, who is Aaron Orndorff? Can you give me some kind of quick background? Aaron Orndorff is the kind of human who appreciates the fact that you described his writing, not as blog posts, not even as articles, but as theses. That, <laughs> that is like, I don't know, I don't know what sort of back end research deep into the trenches you went on that, but that warmed my heart. Yeah, Aaron Orndorff is a writer by trade. My my goofy thing I often say is I'm not an e-commerce marketer, but I play one on the internet. I've lived at the intersection of content and commerce for sure over the last decade. That's when my career started. I wrote like a madman because I was an absolute no, no background in marketing, not from higher education, uh, not by training, not by career. When I started, it was like, how am I going to eat for the next six months, maybe even less than that. That was my jumpstart into the world of marketing, but I can write and good writing covers over a multitude of sins. And that's really been the key to my success throughout the entire time is saying yes, figuring it out as I go. Uh, And, and I wonder if you, I mean, I'd love to dig deeper into some of those those pieces. Uh, But I also want to be really respectful of you, your time, your focus and giving the people what they came here for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just want to say, uh, definitely another time we should dive into some of those things because there's a lot to dive into. Um, but yeah, I mean, dude, staying hungry, I think throughout the process, like not li- I mean, literally and figuratively, but also kind of makes you, uh, I mean, a lot of I find marketers and writers typically don't go to school for these things, but they just have an immense thirst for being great at something and cons- continuously being consistent on that. And I think that I see that a lot in your work. So I just wanted to say that for what it's worth. Uh, you know, you uh, 
consistency, man. That's that's the key. That is wild. So we haven't even ever talked about this. But in all honesty, like if people tune out in the next five minutes and they only hear one thing, that's probably the best thing they could freaking hear is consistency is an underrated superpower. 100%. Vendors, agencies, customer service, your own personal brand, creating content, whatever it freaking is, if all you do is show up having done the thing you said you were going to do at the time you said you were going to do it, you will beat 95 to 99% of everyone else you're competing against because it's so rare to find someone who, who's consistent. And that is, if there's anything that I've done well in my career, it's that one slow plodding foot in front of the next. Uh, and honestly, yeah, like don't leave, don't tune out, but that is, <laughs> that's gotta be theses and consistency. That's the, that's the touch words. Man, we're firing all cylinders. I think consistency puts you in that rarefied air kind of space, but that's been my theme of this year and continuing continuing on, I think, forward. But anyway, man, let's uh, let's take a little bit of a turn. Let's, uh, I want to ask you some questions. I've been doing these rapid fire things here in season two. Um, what's the worst piece of DTC advice, advice that you've been told or read recently? That you have to choose between and pit organic brand building against performance paid advertising. I see this on both sides of the divide, D to C, B to C, and B to B as well. Mm -hmm. um, I see it primarily on the B to B side when there is no communication between the organic search folks that are creating content and the paid search folks that are driving leads or responsible for growth. And I see it on the D to C side as well, where there's this disconnect and each side is firing fighting, trying to consume the budget, get buy-in instead of bringing the two together. Because the beautiful thing about content and commerce is that content, when it's done well with an organic first approach, brand building first approach creates an unfair advantage when it comes to fueling the ad account. Yes. Right? And it's bringing those two together. And there is so much in the social media sphere, especially where those are just constantly pitted against each other instead of bringing them together to fuel and build up and level each other up. That's all it is, man. At the end of the day, yeah, they need to lift each other up. I think you're absolutely spot on in saying that. Um, what is the greatest source of inspiration for Aaron? Where do you go to to get inspiration? What builds you up? Uh, talk to me about that, man. It might sound cliche, humble people who, like for example, uh, Jason, and I can't remember his, his Twitter handle. He's, uh, he's out of Singapore, growth agency, runs a really large brand that he never shares about, really large brand that he never shares about. He dropped mm -hmm. a thread about two weeks ago where they had crossed the $100 million in trailing 12 month revenue on the D2C side, 100 million, they'd crossed it. And they were looking to do 100% growth year over year this year, having just crossed that. And it's like, that's wild right. in today's environment. And he did this whole thread. And in one of the pieces he talked about his founder and what he said is, I believe this dude is the best copywriter I've ever experienced. And all he will say is he's above average because he wants to stay like teachable and learnable. And I'm telling you, man, that one thing, the reason it's top of mind is because that one little piece has haunted me and it fires me up more than anything when I see people who remain humble and hungry because it makes me right sized and it takes the pressure off and there's a freeness that comes in and makes me enjoy my work instead of just being a slave to the numbers and expectations and building my identity into whether I win or lose. Um, so yeah, dude, humble people with all the cred in the world Nothing, nothing lights me up like that. 100%. That's a dangerous person, someone who's humble but successful and keeps. Yeah, I think that uh, that to me is like the, yeah, I, I, the anti guru is like really in, I think, right now, but also to just like consistently, you know, that's a dangerous person, in my opinion. What is the best purchase that you've made under $100? Uh, you know, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this is, this is probably my favorite new hat. I wear these constantly. I have a uniform, um, Mount Rainier. This is a great uh, small D2C brand. Uh, awesome dude. I can't remember his name. He runs it on Twitter. We'll have to look it up. 
Um, but I bought the hat for myself. I bought these really warm uh, hats for my daughters. I got three daughters. My wife got the same sort of beanie. Um, and each one of those was definitely less than $100. I've just, I've just been loving. Uh, we'll definitely have to absolutely look him up and drop him in. Yes, absolutely. I'll, I'll get that from you. But uh, always good clothes, good hats, anything. I'm, I'm a hat guy now, so it's, uh, it's growing on me. Um, last question before we jump into everything. If you could have one gigantic billboard where you could have anything on it, metaphorically speaking, to get a message out to everyone in the world, in the D2C world, it could be both, what would it be and why? If you have a roof over your head, and food for today and tomorrow, everything else is a game. That, that's where I'm living these days, just given the wider environment of how legitimately hard it is out there for e-commerce brands themselves, for the SaaS folks like you and me, the agency side people that are supported by that agency, by, by that, uh, that side of things, the actual businesses, yeah, dude, if you have a roof over your head and food for today and tomorrow, everything else is a game. So chill out. Yeah, Gratitude at the end of the day, man. 100%. I, that'd be a beautiful thing for to get out to the world. So I, I, I love that. Um, let's segue into kind of the meat of, of the discussion a little bit here now. So obviously, you know, I've mentioned VCs, uh, content and commerce, but just talk to me a little bit more about how you view this overlap. You kind of alluded to it uh, a few minutes ago, but um, I'm just curious if you could just drop a little bit of insight here for us to kind of set the stage a little bit for, for this discussion. Yeah. Content and commerce is a perennially hot buzzword. And I expected it to dip in its popularity and trendiness post iOS 14 with the struggles in ad accounts, the need or the flight to value, the flight to profitability versus the, the growth at all cost mentality that was really running and buoying e-commerce for a number of years. The funny thing is all, everything I just described did nothing but actually amp up the desire to find non-paid avenues. And that's how a lot of people think about content in commerce is how do you build an audience on the back of organic acquisition channels. So we could bucket that into words in the form of blogs and landers, uh, emails, native social content. Uh, there's communities folks run behind the scenes, whether that's inside Slack or uh, Facebook group. All of this is content and all of it's being wrapped up in the idea of how do we get customers and serve customers, retain customers for free? That's mm -hmm. the idea behind it all. And so even though I expected it to dip and folks were just going to push even, even harder into figuring out the paid problems. And a lot of them have, it's become even more elusive and powerful. If you have an organic flywheel built into your business and content is one of the fundamental spokes in that organic flywheel, because it connects to people on a different level than here's the thing you want at the right price. So come and buy it. Mm -hmm. Right? That's the fundamental idea is it can breathe brand ethos. And I, I think about this with really three big ideas. And the first is simply on the creation side of things, because making content is a grind. And it's a, it, there's so many cards stacked against you when you're trying to create organic growth, because it takes more time. It takes uh, a longer investment and you simply have to be willing to put shit out consistently with nothing to show for it no endorphin hits no you just have to you're gonna grind and so the way that i think about that is you have to discover what is your native content language that's the foundation what is the medium in which you can't help but create um, for me, right, it's written content. So that's like a no-brainer. It's really super obvious. And for some people, it's the same way. I think about a brand like The Hundreds, streetwear, Bobby Hundreds. Brilliant, right? That, that is a business that words plus community plus collabs built. And there's a deep sensibility, aesthetic in all of it. But it's definitely like, it, it's the words, the blog that, that, that they created, and mm -hmm. built this brand on top of. But for other people, it's long form video content, 
for some it's short form video content. For some people it's gonna be, they just are obsessed with the meme culture and they need to go after that and they would do it in their private life no matter what anyway. You've gotta find that maybe it's email and for you it's conversing with your audience in a really heartfelt way that maybe isn't high on design, but definitely builds a bridge through words, but it's, it's delivered in that kind of intimacy of an inbox. Whatever that thing is you can't help but produce, that's what you've got to go all in on, especially if you don't have deep venture-backed pockets to create a media arm. The second principle is never one and done. Once you find your native content language, you have to augment that either through outsourcing or hiring in-house to say, if I'm a words person, then I definitely need somebody who is high on design, high on animation, high on videos that can take these long form pieces that I put together or even the short form pieces in email and turn that into, this is the Instagram post, this is the TikTok video, this is the, you know, you fill in the blank for never one and done, slice and dice. And there's a there's a great deal of outsourcing that you can now do that with, even just recording videos yourself and then having someone else reverse engineer the, the blog content, the written content on that front, but it's never one and done. That's mm -hmm. the second thing. Like you've got to run on whatever you create till the freaking wheels fall off and then grind those hubcaps into the ground, <laughs> grind those rims <laughs> into the ground. Because no one remembers anything you ever put out on the internet. That's the other thing. Like people think, oh, I have to make something new, I have to make something new. You, you don't, like it is so ethereal. Don't even worry about it, right? So find your native content language, never one and done. And then third, okay. Your job is not to tell a new story with your content. It's not to create a community around your product or your brand. Truly great content enters the story your audience already inhabits to serve them. What are their fears? What are their frustrations? What are their complaints? What are their hates? That what is already haunting their nightmares or a nagging concern in their life? What do they already delight in that you can amplify, right? So you're entering, you're not asking somebody to come over and, and join you. Your job when you're creating content is to go forth and enter those places as naturally as possible to be of service and make the story they already inhabit better. That's deep empathy and that's content that has legs. Hello friends, I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of Bateka Pod. I'm taking a quick break here to ask for your help. As you may know, Bateka Podcast is brought to the D2C community cost-free. I am focused on giving the best possible education and talking about the things that matter to growing and scaling D2C brands. I spend a lot of time on this because frankly, I'm passionate about D2C e-commerce. And if you'd like to support the show, please consider leaving us a review wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, etc., and hit the subscribe button. It goes a heck of a long way in allowing me to continue to reach more and more people in the D2C community, as well as bring on the best and biggest guest possible. And for that, I thank you sincerely. Now, back to the show. Man, that... um. I took a ton of notes, but I just want to say that's uh, a beautiful breakdown. I think of all three of those things coming together. I mean, you've got the the natural content language that you're talking about here. Uh, I'm reading this back to you. And then to never be one and done. So you've got your means. You've got how you're doing this. You're you're figuring out ways to get this out, but stay consistent. And then also to, yeah, I love that. Entering the, the you know, staying in the story where your audience already is rather than trying to force something brand new. Um, I think about all the examples of brands that are doing a great job on content right now I've talked to, or even just like in SaaS, this is not even maybe just DTC. There's a lot of parallels here to other avenues, I think, for content. Um, this is fundamental, man. I, I think the way you said it is so uh, just great to think about. And I, I love all of that. And the thing with uh, this is also just to kind of normalize that middle one uh, or bring it sort of down to earth uh, that never one and done. I learned this as a parent. It's, it's that it's that experience of if I say this one more time, I'm going to throw up when I've reached that point with my kids. That's the first time they're going like, oh, maybe this is important. I think I'm hearing it. And all humans are like that. 
is the thing. So never be afraid. This is probably the greatest gift of all the AI GPT chat sort of stuff is just freaking give that thing your original words and make it regenerate, 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 right? And you can just, you don't have to work harder than is necessary. People don't remember. So just say it over and over again. 100%. And I think um, this goes back to even some of the themes that we started the conversation with consistency, but also to like, being humble, I think, is some of those themes I'm, I'm kind of pulling into this too. But man, I, I love that outlook on things. And to kind of push the conversation forward now, so you end up cutting your teeth, you know, at Shopify Plus, you know, writing content, you go to CTC, a content-driven agency, both very much in the long-form game uh, where you get your claim to fame here. But now you're leading marketing at Recart, which is a technology where long-form content goes to die being SMS marketing. Uh, literally every message you send or every segment costs you more money. So what do you do with that? How, how do you make sense of the world now? Mm. One of the most formative texts I ever read was by Eugene Schwartz. It's called Breakthrough Advertising. Have you been exposed to that before? I have not, no. Oh my gosh. Okay, it's stupid expensive. You can buy it for like $125. It used to be even more expensive as a book. Huh. There's free PDFs you can get online. That's what I did when I first, I printed the whole thing up, put it in a binder and highlighted it. And there's a line inside there where Eugene Schwartz talks about, and he's passed away now. He's one of these old school copywriters that the copywriters, the power of copywriting, the copywriter's job is not to create what he calls mass desire which is basically an existing desire inside an audience that is large enough to drive the formation of a viable product. People want mm -hmm. something or want to fix a problem and enough people want that that it's, it's a mass desire is what he would sure. call it. Your job is not to create that, it's to channel it. And so he builds off of that and says three to five words, that's literally three to five words will make or break every ad if it's connected to that mass desire so i have had this in the back of my mind uh for years as a writer and i get the great luxury of what i actually produce to still have like way more room than that mm -hmm. but it's that distillation uh and it's and it exposes do you really understand your audience and what they're after. Now, you don't necessarily have to overthink it because a lot of times that's that's what we, we just, text marketing in particular is, it's fundamentally a purchase mechanism is how I see it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I see writ large across the aggregate data that we have access to here at Recart is sure. you win when you lean into the reason people subscribe. And the reason people subscribe is to get deals get new products, get updates, and get help. That's it. Simple. Right? And basically in that order. Mm -hmm. right? So there's a lot of neat things you can do with content and text message marketing, for, for sure. There's a lot of neat things you can do. You can do, have you know exchanges and spur conversations. And I've got this whole like engagement bait sort of program that I really like to framework to go through just to get people up and running and salivating. But it really comes down to the simplicity of you've already shown interest. You're waiting for the deal to come through. We've got to hit you at the right time and make the offer really clear. Yeah. That's it. That's how you cut through. That's so effective. But I think so um, often overlooked, I think sometimes when people think about like, like just like the way you, the way you've described it too, I mean, you're really giving them what they want. And I, I think that this, um, is like making sure that you take those three to five words or if it's a, a message segment or whatever that is. But I think it's like a short form idea of SMS. I feel like there's still a lot of um, you know things to consider and think about. But at the end of the day, I think the way that you kind of described it makes a hell of a lot of sense. And I think that that's a conversation that like we should be talking about more with SMS in general. Um, and it's really interesting. And so like, I think it kind of segues into what I think would be Great to ask you now is, you know, there are so many SMS apps in the space, but Recard is doing a lot of things I think are awesome. I commend you guys for really taking the reins on some of the conversations we should be having around SMS right now. 
Um, so talk to me about what makes Recart so special. Okay. Okay. This sort of conversation makes me so nervous. So what I'm going to do to make myself less nervous right now is I'm going to, I'm going to pretend, okay, we're going to role play. <laughs> that's, that's what we're going to do. Okay. We're going to role play. Um, and the way I, I pitch Recart is Recart is an SMS app for Shopify businesses built to spend less, sell more and drive real growth. And people go, okay, neat. Maybe everybody doesn't say it quite that clearly, but that's that's what they're all sort of, that's what everybody's boiling down to. So how do you do that, okay? We've engineered efficiency at the core of our product through five features no other SMS platform offers. And then I get a little bit more of a lean in, like, oh, okay, what are, what are those five features? Okay. What are those uh, five features, Aaron? Number one, Recart lets you Send your messages during your customer's peak buying windows. What does that mean? Okay. That means everyone is in an arms race right now to get their app AI justified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just as, whether it's buzzword or what like, you've just got to get it. Yeah. And the vast majority uh, uh for, for email, for SMS, for ad platforms, everybody's focusing on helping you create more what? More words, more images, more videos, more what? Recart's the, the only game in town so far on the SMS front that is actually looking at the when through, through AI. And what I mean by that is statistical models that look at a brand's customer file, customer by customer, subscriber by customer, and say, when did this person click and when did they buy? Are those divergent? We're going to weigh this person's profile by when they purchased heavily versus when they clicked. And when you enable the smart AI sending inside of Recart, what it does is it then looks at the entire customer file and it buckets them into 15 minute increments per campaign instead of just one static send time. Now we're doing other things too, like the whole generate message, generate creative, all that neat stuff. But what's wild is none of that what stuff has as big an impact on the when. Yes. So that's why we're pushing so hard into, it's like 60 to in some cases, 250% increase in revenue per message when the when is nailed customer by customer. That is massive. Number two, automate click but didn't purchase campaign reminders. Now you can do this inside any SMS platform. I don't want to, you can set up a manual campaign, say, did, did this subscriber create a segment who clicked on X campaign, the last campaign you sent, didn't purchase, and also didn't add to cart? The idea being there, they showed intent by clicking. Mm-hmm. They didn't make a purchase, and they also didn't add to cart because if they added a cart, they're going to get scooped up by your abandoned cart message. Correct. The only folks that have taken this best practice and said, let's actually automate it. You can build campaigns not just flows, but actual campaigns that there's a 24 hour delay. There's a conditional split that looks for those things and then goes, give them the next message within 24 hours or 18 hours or 28 hours, whatever you want to set that to scoop up that remaining ROI. That's just right there waiting for you. Love that. And that goes back to the when as well. We're looking at intent. We're looking at intent and we're just trying to push people over the line. This is, dude, this is a best practice that Listen, anybody who hears this and is doing SMS, no matter what the platform is, before you send another campaign, go freaking figure out how your system creates segments based on what I just described. And before you send another full list or last 188 engaged or last 90 day engaged, just go send that. Whether you do it with Recard or not, it's it's like a 2x on ROI, sometimes 5x on ROI. It's going to be far lower send, about 8 to 10% of your audience from the original message far higher return on that spend. Well, and I think what I love about that, because I, when I was an SMS marketer before coming into SaaS, like I would have to look, pull segments manually, who clicked, like how do you exclude people? Like a lot of times best practice was just telling you to send another text to the entire list. It, you're throwing efficiency out the window and spending way more money to make less money. So I think that, that I mean, it's beautiful, man. I, I, I absolutely love that. So do it manually. Just, just make that a regular part of your practice. Give yourself a notion reminder or a clickup reminder or wherever you put your like right on a piece of paper before you put out a sticky on your computer before you send your next campaign. And then 
I was still on the second one. Then be really mindful of excluding recent purchasers inside your reorder window. Hmm. I, especially if you're sending people fulfillment notifications, if you're using something like Wonderment to actually build a really robust, wonderful process. If you have a product onboarding sequence, especially for CPG or anything that's consumable, you better have a product onboarding sequence that shows people how to actually use it. And you don't want to be hitting them with campaigns while they're inside those flows. Mm -hmm. So exclude them. That's another one to recent purchase based on your reorder window. Get them out. Yeah. Yeah. So love those two. What's number three now? All right. Number three, see campaign costs before you hit send and spend on automations. This one's really simple. I'm so damn close to actually making it number one on our homepage because every single human I've actually talked to about this stops me in the middle of that sentence when I say see campaign cost before you send. I don't even get to and spend on automations. And they go, wait, yeah. you can? I had, like, I knew, I had a suspicion that this was one of those things people wanted. And when I say campaign cost, I mean, this is how many people are gonna send it to. This is your current rate. This is what that SMS or MMS or multi-part SMS, if you accidentally put too many characters into it, this is what it's going to cost you. Review your campaign before you hit send. Yeah. That's it. It's So when you told me about this, uh, we were talking before this, I, you tell me, I'm like, man, this is, this is asinine that we have. It's been taking this long to get here. Uh, but I remember like when I, we would send out uh, campaigns, automations, we get the bill at the end of the month and I'd be going over with my boss and he's just like, we spent how much on SMS? Like, is this, and I'm like, it's like, so made a lot of money. It's all good. But he's like, Hey, I would have loved to have known as we were planning marketing, like what we're going to spend that having the transparency. Um, you know, like we're like uh, an industry of one and 2% improvements and looking at spend and all these different things. And like, um, for you know, if you're super data driven, like you're going to want that information. So I commend you guys for doing that. Um, and I think like, it could be good to actually pause here and talk a little bit more about this. I think there's some kind of things I wanted to chat about anyway. Um, but how do you feel about the pricing transparency and SMS? Was that super important to you guys when you were thinking about sort of like these, you know, five things like that pricing was a big piece of it. Um, just talk to me a little bit more about that. Pricing is such an interesting thing in SMS because providers really are like your back is up against a wall as far as margin goes. Everybody gets access to the same aggregators at basically the same rates mm -hmm. is what it comes down to. And so I still, I still struggle with the way that we present pricing, even on Recart's website, because even though we get closest to, we've got the calculator and you enter in your total number and it just spits you out a sort of thing. Um, even for us, the truth is we can go lower. And that's the idea is like, you see it, you get in a conversation and then you basically end up nine times out of 10, what everybody's doing with their pricing is they're bringing their existing contract, some other provider's new contract and your new contract. And they're mm -hmm. saying, can we get these commensurate? Can you, can you beat, can, can anybody beat our current rate and the other one we're being offered? Or can we at least get them commensurate with one another? And then let's start talking about features. So pricing is, it's a funny thing because there's just, it's such a different margin game than something like email where really mm. there you're incentivized to simply pay for features and can yes. the feature set do something better or different than anybody else? In which case, yeah, you win. But there's not that big of a difference because it's just not the same sort of pay for play that you get with SMS. The reason, I think the reason we actually show costs, it really comes back to our CEO, Shoma. And, you know, he cut his teeth. He, he built Recart originally as a thing called Ghost Monitor. And what he'd done was run five, seven different brands about a decade ago in the European market, e-commerce. He built those up to a few million in revenue per year, sold them all, and then went and built the thing he wished he always had when I love that. he was running those businesses. And that simple piece of like, because he's been in the trenches, there's a level of empathy and understanding that just goes straight into what do we actually make for people and mm -hmm. what do we show them? It's like, it's inescapable, I think, for him. 
time. And, and that transparency, like it's the main reason why yeah. he has waffled back and forth so many times. And we've actually had conversations about this where he's like, should we enable view attribution? And what I mean by that, and if you're listening to this, you couldn't see my heavy air quotes, but you, if you're watching view attribution. Listen, view attribution for SMS doesn't exist. You cannot open, you cannot measure the opens of a text message. Mm-hmm. It's a technological impossibility. And so if you're, if anybody is telling you this is based on any sort of view attribution, what they're actually saying is we sent this text. And if that person bought in whatever that window is, 24 hours, seven days, 28 days, we're saying that's ours. It's absolute garbage. And yet he's been, people go to other platforms from time to time because they get better ROI. Mm -hmm. And he's like, should we? And he just keeps coming back to like, nah, it's, it's not real. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm impressed with that sort of thing. It was one of the things that really moved me towards him in the first place. I'm immensely impressed by that as well. Um, and I would love to finish four and five, but I, as, I, as you said that too, I wanted to say, one of my questions I had is on the homepage of Recart right now, it says overpaying for your Shopify SMS platform and don't trust the results uh, and air quotes there as well. Uh, you're, you're not alone. So I think that'd be good to talk about that a little bit. Do you think that people don't trust attribution reporting in SMS and thus like the ROI narrative is sort of like really a manipulated narrative in a lot of ways of how they report attribution. And then that spells, I'm I'm a marketer too. Like, you know, there's ways of making things look bigger than they are. Um, But I'm just curious, like, what are your thoughts on something like that? Uh, I... I essentially waged, so I just said a bunch of nice things about Shoma and his commitment to the truth. And yet at the same time, when I came into Recart, we had all, we had, we had ads, we had charts on our website that that were all about ROI. We had ROI guarantee, 8X ROI guarantee. We still have it. I'm trying to figure out like what place in the funnel does that actually go? Because it has to be meaningful to, and that takes a longer conversation. But the thing that I hated is not just ROI, but ROAS. Mm. They had this one ad that I literally brought up in one of my interviews when I was starting to consult with them and meeting with the rest of the leadership team. Cause that's how everything got kicked off with the recard. I was consulting with them first. And then I got into the, uh, the management team and the executive board, that's that sort of stuff. But I was like, this is absolute bullshit. You cannot compare ROAS of an ad that is primarily aimed at acquiring new customers and any sort of retention platform. You can't even call it return on ad spend because it's not ad spend. And I'm telling you people, the second I see that and anyone else does, it immediately undercuts your credibility. It just Mm -hmm. screams bullshit. So ROAS, absolutely. ROI, I think is really similar where because and everybody is claiming more attribution. When I was at Common Thread Collective, we used to run, um, and they still do, the data newsletter through Statless, the in-house tool that we built. And I remember working with our data analyst that was on the marketing team. And we actually had to build a custom formula into the way we pulled the data to ensure that the actual returns didn't exceed the actual revenue that was made. Because if you counted all of the returns from the various ad platforms, let alone email and SMS, it was like, oh, everyone's making like 2x. 3x what they're right and so it's just part of the yeah they don't trust it and so you can't hang your hat on that until you get into a conversation where you're really able to talk about this is click only or unique discount code we're going to set it for one to seven day um no view attribution and that's how we're going to talk about roi and that roi let's be super duper honest is still going to exceed something like google analytics last click it just is whatever your single source of truth is 100%. 100%. But I think it's great to understand your attribution windows, to understand what you're getting into, but working with a vendor too who gets that as well, um, super, super critical. Um, we'll love to continue to talk about this, but if we rounded out four and five, what would be those last two? Yeah, four is send new subscribers to the same page they signed up on. We call these restore links. And it's because the biggest money maker in any SMS account is your welcome flow. And it comes down to that very first message that you send. They're hot, they're ready to buy it, they're waiting for that discount, they're waiting for that exclusive offer, whatever it is. And the problem, especially if you use the direct-to-text opt-in where you've got the pop-up, you click the button, it fires up your messaging app, 
you get the preloaded message, you click send, you got to wait a hot second, the message comes mm -hmm. back, you click that, and all of a sudden you're back on the homepage. And if you opted in through a product page or a collection page, you basically have to wander your way back to the thing you wanted to buy in the first place. So we've created what we call restore links. These are dynamic URLs that generate based on the last page they visited, the page that they opted in through so that they get that discount offer automatically applied and bam, they're right where they left off, right? And this Love is that. about optimizing in the biggest opportunity moment, which is that first message in the welcome flow to drive what in some cases is actual new customer acquisition. Right? 100%. And then number five is we run holdout tests. And, and a holdout test is essentially for large businesses who are concerned with is SMS actually producing incremental revenue, incremental revenue, net new sales, you wouldn't have gotten otherwise without this channel or is SMS simply cannibalizing sales. You wouldn't have gotten anyway, either naturally through returning visitors or through email for a far lower cost or mm -hmm. through something like direct mail. Right? There's all these different avenues that maybe they get hit with the message and they click it. So they claim that as a sale, but a holdout test essentially says, what are the channels that you're using to currently market to existing customers? Usually that's email and direct mail. Okay. Let's get our email, direct mail, SMS subscribers into one giant bunch, slash that into hold out SMS from the second group. We've got 25,000 in the first 25,000 in the second. We run that for a month. And when we go back in and see, did the first group that actually got SMS outperform the second group and did it outperform it enough to justify the cost? That's what we're looking at in a holdout test. Is it driving net new sales you wouldn't have otherwise gotten? No other SMS platform will freaking do that. We even do it manually because it's a lot of work to slice and dice all your subscribers like that and stay on top of the very detailed, in this case, again, attribution that you have to make sure you're quarantining, holding out those SMS subscribers, and then generating a meaningful report on the back end. But at scale, it, it matters. And, it's, and it matters when profitability matters and you're paying for a channel like SMS. I can sense the uh, analytical marketer's ears perking up on that one a lot. I think that that is, that is awesome. And it's super forward looking. And I think like those five things to me, uh, really show that you guys are looking at the more the bigger picture the bigger picture what everyone's thinking about right now and been questioning I think about the SMS channel. Um, this to me is where we should be talking about SMS in 2023. That's my hope. So, dude, okay, yeah, this, this freaking homepage. People should go look <laughs> at it and then they should DM me and be mean to me because I I've done this with like 15 freaking ecom operator heavyweights people I know. I have relationships with people I don't. And every time I've gone to them one-on-one, -on -one, the roll of the dice has been, I think I got my head around this. Can I meet with you for 15 to 30 minutes and have you be mean to me? So I want to mm -hmm. invite, like, yeah, go check out the homepage and go be mean to Aaron is what I want to give everybody permission to. So like, but I think that's the thing. The more I've done that, and this is just that marketer in me. This comes back to entering the story your audience is already living within. That is the entire freaking point. This is like meta as hell. That's the entire freaking point of the way I frame sell less or spend less, sell more, drive real growth, mm -hmm. right? Overpaying and don't really trust the results. You're not alone. All I want with that is, yeah, a nod. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, five ways, right? Mm -hmm. The next one. It's just, it's, it's trying to like, like practice what I preach, I guess is, is the idea. Totally, man. And anyone listening, go check out the homepage, go give some feedback to Aaron. But I think, man, like just like all that to say, like to, um, yeah, when you, when you practice what you preach, you build in the open and you welcome the feedback. I mean, like when we talk about building SaaS to serve needs of the customer, you have to do that. I think like, um, you have to be willing to talk about the things that matter to people and also be willing to listen to that feedback and take it and, and do more with it. I could riff with you for, for days in this, man. There's so much more I want to I wanna unpack. But I will say there's one other thing I wanted to talk with you about today. And that is transactional SMS because I feel like there's a lot of awesome things bubbling right now. Uh, the Recard and Wonderman integration also being there. Um, but you know, anyone familiar with me or if you're new to the show, you'll know I'm a firm believer in transactional SMS as the gateway to a more profitable and healthy SMS program. But it's also really freaking great for a lot of other things like customer experience and customer retention. 
Um, the TLDR, if you don't know what transactional SMS is, basically anything related to your order uh, being shipped or the shipping journey. Um, and there's three reasons I really love SMS. And uh, or sorry, three reasons why I think, you know, this is a really great thing. Um, when you think about growing a business, um, you know, you need to increase the number of people that you sell to. Okay, so that's one way to grow a business. Number two, uh, you could think about, you know, how much they buy and how often that's AOV and LTV. Or three, you improve your margins, efficiency, basically. Um, so the beautiful overlap with something like transactional SMS is you actually take aim at number two and three, so AOV and LTV, as well as improving margins. And the sentiment really with transactional SMS is these are the texts that people want to be getting anyway. You know, So the awesome thing with Recart and Wonderment here is that um, you can literally up to 10x your engagement back to site post-purchase. And then if you take aim with a tracking page to send them to like your actual website, not USPS, FedEx, whatever, um, it gives you so much opportunity post-purchase to retarget people. Uh, think about, you know, education, upsell, downsell, grow your SMS list more profitably, uh, or even just give them, you know, uh, anticipation as their order arrives. And really, you know, there are also three things as I'm giving my thesis right now on transactional SMS, but I think it's, it's worth it. Um, there's really only three things people want to open post-purchase that have a hundred percent open rate. And we were talking about earlier too, uh, SMS does not have 99% open rates. I'm sorry for anyone who still believes that it's um, a lie. It's a lie. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. The three things that people do open hundred percent, you know, you've mentioned this to me, Aaron, is the package that you buy or the, the package you get, that's hundred percent. Uh, right behind that transactional SMS, anything that's going to get you closer to that package arriving and is going to give you satisfaction that it's on its way. And then transactional email is like right behind that probably as well. Um, but having this branded experience where you can take transactional SMS, which sees, you know, 50 to 75% click through rates, you can get a lot more clicks to a tracking page to do all those things I've mentioned. Um, but then also to really make the CX better post-purchase. We see a reduction in Wismo tickets, uh, reducing CS costs, and all of that goes back to efficiency and growing the business. Um, so I just vomited a lot of words at you, but I'm curious for your thoughts on transactional SMS, given kind of some of those things. So what I think the unsung, and I love that whole thing. I think it was Taylor Holiday I ripped that off from, which is like 90% <laughs> of anything smart I ever say related to e-commerce came from Taylor Holiday. Shout out. CTC alum that yeah yeah the only the only thing they open 100% of the time is the package right that that's it everything else falls behind that what what transactional sms is doing though is it's taking advantage of that really unique moment in someone's experience as a customer when they're anticipating the one thing they want most from you which is the thing they gave you their money for yes and it's conditioning them to have this almost pavlovian response of when this brand, when I see a message from company X, Y, or Z, what they're sending me matters. And so the, the more messages you can stack into that, that are, that are meaningful during that process. And Wonderment does this beautifully with the updates and especially the, gosh, the branded landers to check on those updates that increases the likelihood of a new purchase during even that window without having to send them something that's unrelated. And like, a, like I was saying, like a, like a campaign to buy something more before they even got the thing that they ordered to, right? That, that sort totally. of piece. All of those things lift up and you're creating this experience, this Pavlovian, this, I hear the bell and my mouth starts watering when this, when this company sends me something, it matters and I open it which is then creating the space for frequency once that post-purchase experience has been completed and they're then off into out, you know, when they are going to be buying something new. And they're so much more primed to have a really positive affinity. I like these folks because they reach out to me when it matters. I think that it's like, like the psychology of that that really fires me up. Hundred percent, and I think um, you know I've done I've done other talks on transactional. I won't you know go too much more deep on some of those things, but I think what you said is so important. And you're training the customer to engage positively with the SMS channel. You're sending them what they want, and also to you're getting them back to the site, which is like one of the hardest things that I think we face as marketers is we're spending more and more money. Customers are getting harder and harder to reach. How do we do it more efficiently? Uh, transactional SMS is one of the best ways once they've already made that purchase to get them back again uh, and do all those things that you need to do, educate, upsell, downsell, 
Um, you know, even just be helpful, which is like kind of, I think, really foundational at the end of that. Um, curate but, that, yeah. that and get curate that page. So it's 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 the information that they need, but it yes. matches what the complementary products are, what the, the next step is. Like it just it gives you so much more than yeah, a freaking UPS page, which is like frustrating to begin with. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I think like, um, you know, you, the tracking page is really your real estate. So like we see a lot of cool stuff going on with folks integrating other tech, um, you know, also to like thinking about ways like we have customers who have put like games on their tracking page for customers to play while they're waiting for their order to arrive. I mean, they're thinking outside the box, but this is your page. You're not sending them to yeah a carrier and creating a dead end experience, which none of us want to give our customers anyway. All right, I could riff for days with you, man, about this. Um, I appreciate you just really kind of setting the stage, I think, for where I think SMS is headed. I commend you guys for Recard for really um, bringing the conversations that matter, I think, to the table right now where we are. I think that, um, you know, I think it's only a matter of time before, um, you know, folks really start to kind of make more questions of, of, of kind of what's going on in the SMS channel. I love that you guys are thinking forwardly about this. Um, and really creating a great product, I think, for folks to use and to take advantage of. So if people want to get in touch with Recart, um, where should they go? Where should they go to get in touch with Recart? What about you? All that stuff. They should go to Recart.com. Boom. They, boom. And then they should immediately, there's only one Aaron Orndorff that, that, that I know of. So I'm super low-hanging fruit on Twitter in the DMs as well as LinkedIn in the DMs open with something nice, then lean into the mean stuff for sure. That's the way to do it. Absolutely. But yeah, I'm, I'm always on those, uh, obsessively. So check it out. Check me out. Let me know what you think. Call me on anything. My gosh, that would be amazing. Call me on anything that you see on there. That's like, that ain't true, buddy. I'm here for it. Beautiful. I will link out to all that in the show notes, but please do all that. Check it out. Get Aaron some, uh, some feedback, but also too, I think you're a must follow on Twitter as well for all the insights. So um, even if you're not doing SMS marketing, it's a must follow for that alone. Uh, but Aaron, this has been a blast, man. Thank you so much for jumping on the show. I think anything we talked about could have jumped off and been its own show. So I hope we did our best to kind of give a well-rounded episode here. Um, but you're welcome back on the show anytime, man. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate that. And right back at you. Good, sir.